everybody. Welcome to the Fiction File Podcast, where we explore the wide world of narrative entertainment, from movies to literature and everything in between. My name is Jason Boyd. I'm the editor of Fiction File. And as usual, I am joined remotely because of this illness we have going around, uh, managing editor Kareen Asbell. Hey, Kareen. Hello. Also somewhere in cyberspace and hiding from the COVID, we have associate editor Dalton Drake. How are you doing, Dalton? Oh, I'm not hiding. Yeah, he's oh, not hiding. you. He's not hiding from the world for his safety. We're hiding him from the world for their safety. Exactly. Thank you very much. I like the Highlander. Very, the voice. very not, nice. That's, right. not, that's not like a random commentary. <laughs> no, it's I'm, a haggis. I've been... Uh, I've been working at uh, uh, Six Flags as a character actor, so now this is just kind of the way I talk now. Entire podcast. That's that's what happens when you when you're going uh, like eleven hours with an accent. It just kind of gets stuck in you. Well, why not? I mean, better that way. When I uh, started watching Doctor Who, I watched a lot of David Tennant stuff, and I mean, like everything, his entire catalog at work of work. And I swear to God, I started talking like I was slightly Scottish there for a while. Well, uh, I think Back we all absorb the David Tennant vibes. Uh, I consider myself slightly David Tennant-esque uh, in, in the looks department primarily. Uh, well, you know, you have something in common with David Tennant. What's that? He also has a podcast. Oh, okay. Well, his is probably way more popular. So speaking of which, let me tell you guys out there who are listening, if you haven't clicked follow or subscribe or like or worship even, uh, if you haven't clicked a button yet, other than to skip this episode and gotten gotten on to the next show that's much better than ours. Uh, But if you haven't gone away yet, please subscribe. Uh, we really we we would love for you to come back again and again, and we don't want you to miss a future episode. So click some buttons for us. I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a silent three count to push a button. All right, thank you so much for pushing that button. Okay, so let's uh, transition into uh, what we're doing today. So today we'll be pouring over a single work of fiction. After we introduce this work of art, we're gonna discuss what makes it enjoyable. We're going to discuss what makes it a work of art in the first place, what makes it universally relatable, and finally, we're going to talk about what it could have done better. So, we have this format now. What piece of narrative entertainment are we talking about today, Corrine? Because it's such a mystery up till now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> today, we're going to keep it in theme for the month of Halloween. Ooh. I've already discussed my feeling on this, and so let's not talk about that again. But we're going to be discussing The Shining, which I know is not technically a Halloween movie, but it is kind of a scary movie, especially if you don't like scary movies. Kind but- of a scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a scary movie. Okay. Only right. kind of. I think it's pretty scary. The blood out of the elevator. The lady That's in the not tub. scary. That's just relatable. Okay. Well, womp womp. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Tell um, us more about what it's like to be female. <laughs> I'm glad you knew I was talking about that gift. That yeah, just I was. Thing. It's just not pregnant. <laughs> anyway, 
specifically, we're going to be discussing the Stanley Kubrick direct Kubrick. Oh my God. The Stanley Kubrick. Dr- <laughs> that time was incredibly appropriate. I just, I don't know why I can't say Kubrick. Directed film adaptation. Well, without like emphasis. Okay. Specifically, we're going to be discussing the Stanley Kubrick directed film adaptation that was released on May 23rd, 1980. 40 years ago, guys. It's older than Mm. all of us. It looked like it was 2015 at the latest. Mm. It's somehow, I don't know, it's somehow (laughs) appropriate that it turns 40 during this, you know, 2020 shit show we got going on here. Mm-hmm. But the film was written by Kubrick and Diane Johnson. And it was obviously based off the novel by Stephen King. Although I probably should have used the words loosely based. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. how Stephen Inspired King Inspired by. There we go. Inspired by the novel by Stephen King. It was produced by the Producer Circle Company, Peregrine Productions, and Hawk Films. And was distributed by Warner Brothers. The movie stars Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. And, and a nameless child. <laughs> there's there's the kids and there's some other people, but do you really know their names? Probably. But a I family hit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and we're going to give Okay, Dalton and three, two, one. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence, while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. You know, Dalton, I think we need to interrupt you more. That was pretty good. So <laughs> I think that was one of the best ones you've done. That's great. Uh, I love that. I love how you, uh... if you don't. Okay, well, <laughs> good evening, fair, Governor. <laughs> to be fair... Technically, I was the one that was interrupted. Okay, so. that's true. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, but <laughs> Dalton, as always, magnificent. Uh, why are you not famous yet? So, moving on to the... <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> we're, <laughs> uh, let's move on to the critical consensus on this one. Uh, just so we have a little perspective and uh we know if we're crazy or not right off the bat imdb has it at 8.4 out of 10 metacritic uh has it at 66 for the critics pretty low uh users is 8.8 out of 10 rotten tomatoes critics only have it at 84 percent which i find really weird uh, users have it at 93 which is a little more like it i mean i'd be fine with 90 percent from the critics but uh, it's kind of, or even 80, high 80s. It's low 80. Uh, so that I doesn't bet, really make any sense. I bet a lot of that is, you know, people who read the book and felt similar to Stephen King, that they felt um, that the changes made weren't necessary and things like that. You know, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Maybe. I mean, why else would they, like, shit on this movie? Unless <laughs> Stephen King wrote, like, 50 reviews the shining under different names <laughs> wait really did he no 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 well oh, i okay. don't know <laughs> I, don't, I believe anything you say but he trusts um, you implicitly well oh, yeah, you know true. stephen king started by writing uh 
town newspaper that he invented. So he does like to write things, and he, he writes for magazines still. Stephen King likes to write? You know, I think he picked it up a little while ago, and he's Who been having thought? a heck of a time with it. I think he's going places. But uh, <laughs> let's go to our first topic. What makes The Shining enjoyable? So I'll go ahead and kick it off. Um, this is this is kind of a hard one because it's it's actually one of my favorite films but yet i can't put my finger on why but i think it's the combination of first of all kubrick is of course amazing and everything is perfectly paced and escalated in my opinion uh and I think Jack Nicholson with Kubrick is just like an inspired pairing. So to me, I'm kind of almost just excited to digest the movie each time I watch it. <laughs> like I'm, uh, that's the enjoyable part to me is just the kind of watching Jack Nicholson chew up the scenery entirely, watching Kubrick just go balls deep into Jack Nicholson's insanity. Uh, and just like just the way they feed into one another like they're both crazy in their own right and it's like it's just i don't know it's just it's uh i don't know that's what makes it enjoyable even though there's no like laugh there's no laughter in this movie there's no musical numbers or anything uh although that would have been interesting uh but I don't know that's to me that's what makes it i enjoy myself every time i watch it because of that uh, I, I usually laugh myself just because there's moments where you're just like, my God, how do you even like, can you imagine just being the caterer on set during some of these scenes? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so that's just, that's just me. But oh, uh, you know, fun, fun fact, it was the caterer in the bear costume. Was it really? No. I'm going to believe everything you guys say. This is horrible. Okay. Don't, don't. <laughs> Don't give us that much power, Jason. Don't let us live in your head rent free. (laughs) The thing about this movie is you would believe almost anything someone says about it because so many people have said, like, did you know them? But, uh, Curry, go ahead and take it away. What makes The Shining enjoyable? Well, as I've mentioned, you know, despite the fact I'm not, like, a fan of anything horror-related, really, and this is billed as a psychological horror film, I kind of actually enjoy this movie i mean it's just it's so well made like i mean it's 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 art and i know obviously subjectively everything we're discussing is a form of art and technically everything is a form of art to someone i mean someone like the movie freddie got fingered so <laughs> look but look freddie freddie got finger gets a bad rap it's it's dadaism so just <laughs> that is an interesting way to look at it. But what I'm just saying is, I'm like, you going beyond the fact that, you know, every, you know, thing created is technically a work of art. This movie is just art in itself. And it has right, like an endless right. rewatchability. Like, you can see the film and you can just like see it from multiple perspectives each time you watch it. You know, yeah. one time you're watching it from Danny's perspective, then you're watching it from. Jack Nicholson's perspective, you know, and that kind of things. You just and you can see different things when you focus on the each character, you know. And it has like a real sense of creepiness and foreboding each time. 
even though you already know what happens and pretty much when it happens, like you can see a certain scene and you're like, okay, I know what happens next. I know this is where, you know, Jack Nicholson's going to come busting through the door, you know, but you still kind of get that sense of dread. Like, even though, you know, like I say, you know what I mean? Like, even though you know what's going to happen, it still hits you and you're still like, yeah. Slightly terrified. I know. Yeah, it's almost like um, it's almost like they had a, a metronome going, but Kubrick intentionally cued people offbeat. Mm-hmm. It's really like you're expecting it. Like it should happen now, right? No, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it should happen yeah. now, right? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. With, it doesn't happen in rhythm that you're used to. Yeah, and that and but that's the thing. That's what throws you off because, like, you know, like someone in the next couple of minutes, this is going to happen. But yeah, your anticipation is still there. Yeah. So yeah, and making I my point for me. Yeah. I like what you said about the I like what you said about the art too because uh and I think what you wanted to say but maybe didn't want to be mean was it's not the kind of art where you have to like squint really hard to make it art but like it's legitimately art like yeah. it's not just kind of like yeah sure it's art you know you don't yeah, have to like talk in a like, high voice it's kind of like more <laughs> of a different level of art like you know it's yeah. all art and you know just by itself but then this you know, Kubrick goes above and beyond in like yeah. the way he sets this film apart and the way he made this film. Yeah, and- you know, our, I've always I, I've lately been I've lately been uh, toying with the idea of like what is art because there's so many different interpretations of it, and the kind of one through line I can see is that art really comes down to intention. Mm-hmm. So as long as you intended to do something and you pull off what you intended, it's art. So, okay, but the argument that can be made for that is, what if your intention was to make a lot of money? I guess. Well, I mean, like, how many you're Michael Bay. Yeah, well, then it, well, then it's the art of the deal, right? <laughs> Touche. Yes. I love that. But uh, Kubrick is nothing if not a ball of intention. Mm, yeah. that That's... Well. The best description for him. Yeah. But um, anyways, <laughs> even though I got myself off topic, but, you know, I was talking about, like, the anticipation, the sense of dread, and it's really weird coming from me that, like, that's part of one of the things I enjoy about it, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm weird. But this is probably one of the only, like, scary movies and i'm using sarcastic quote marks mm-hmm. you just can't see them it is that scary. i enjoy and i will watch again and again and that's just because of how weight well made it is like because of like you can t- like you can like analyze the scenes and like see what's gonna happen you get that sense of dread and the different perspectives in the characters and it just makes it so good and then the fact that it's, it's not full of gore really it's not full of gore and major jump scares it's just really a mind fuck of a movie and i really like that about it well i so i disagree that's scary i just want to say i really i do think it is scary uh, because here's the thing i think everyone knows every scene by heart nowadays and it's been lampooned and it's been satirized so we can think of the humorous versions of it 
But when I first saw this as a child, I was a child and I was very afraid of skeletons. I don't know why I was a child. I wore a tie though. Uh, but I loved and skeletons. <laughs> I loved skeletons and or hated skeletons. I was terrified by skeletons. And I was always worried I was going to see a skeleton accidentally. And so I was watching this thing and when the when he's going in the bathroom and then it's like the the you start seeing the skin and I like I was I was terrified that it was a skeleton or skeletal in some places. And I just it was even worse than a skeleton. And so I I don't know. I just I don't I, mean it's not scary i mean it's not like your typical scary movie uh, okay i, I guess mean, as I... far as like there's no like you know murderer going around murdering teenagers because you know yeah. they're having sex or you know any other the the, the typical scary movie tropes that's See, what i, I mean by scary. my sarcast well if you think of a horror movie like and you think of like the cookie cutter kind of horror movies that's the all kind of they all kind of have the same tropes and my mm. point was with the sarcastic quote marks was that this doesn't you know tick off those boxes of the tropes okay not okay. even though it could be because of its age and it was made before a lot of those tropes came about and became recognized as what a scary movie should be well some people think a scary movie should be i don't know uh i mean i think it was done after a lot of the movies like uh Friday the, scary movies. Friday the 13th came out the same year. Yeah. So anyway, I get your point though. It's not, it's not a, it's not a scary, take a date to the movies movie kind of thing. I, I get that. It's more of an art, art house fear kind of thing. But yeah. uh, Dalton, why, why don't you take it away and shed more light on what makes the shining enjoyable? Oh, me? Oh, <laughs> hang on. Uh, wow. Well, uh, I, I, I just want to preface first that, uh, I, I am a huge, huge Stephen King fan. Um, and I, I kind of live for his, uh, movie adaptations. Um, the, the shining was one of the most successful adaptations, but it was infamously hated by King himself because it completely changes the story he wrote for the sake of artistic license i guess um maybe for relatability i don't know um anyway i i just wanted to preface that fact that the, the this this film is a masterpiece of horror even if i'm pretty loyal fan to the author you know that's just full disclosure end of spiel but um i think that there is a real sense of dread uh in this movie and, and it, it feels earned like all of the all of the scares in this movie feel earned and it's not really um, frightening as it mm. is uh, disturbing. Like there, there are there are genuinely scary things that happen in the movie. But I think maybe this is where where Corrine was going with her point. Um, mm. Was may, maybe it was because it's not tropey, but it could also be that there's no real supernatural element to this that is making it into a horror film as much as it is a um a psychological film 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're um, saying. The, the, only, the only real uh, supernatural thing that is going on is uh, Danny's shining, and that's sort of downplayed. So, um, well, hold on. What? It's not overtly what, supernatural. What about all the ghosts? But no, that's the thing, though. It's not like <laughs> it's not like is in your face with the supernatural. It's there. It's established. But I don't really feel like our faces were shoved in it as much. In the novel, uh, okay. The the ghosts are the reason that Jack goes insane mm-hmm. in the movie. And, and it was because he picked up a, uh, I believe it was a, a picture book or a, mm-hmm. um, a photo album. That was it. And yeah. the album is not in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're made to believe that all of this stuff is happening. In Jack's head. They're not supernatural entities. Um, as far as Jack is concerned. Jack is just going crazy, right? And he's making all this stuff up in his head. Um, And that's why I say that Danny is the only supernatural element of this movie because he's actually seeing things. Um, But, you know, it... Anyway, back to to the original point. Um, this, This film builds tension really well. It's not dependent on jump scares. And it's ending is uh memeable <laughs> if not cathartic um danny is the true boy that lived i'm just like gonna that say Harry that. Potter. yeah exactly <laughs> all right uh well i will uh draw i will i will pick this back up again later uh what makes the shining a work of art kareen well honestly it's kubrick is it kubrick or kubrick uh, I like am the I way you pronounce it with an extra e. Am I just saying his name wrong? I think it's just Kubrick. Yeah, but, but I like I like you saying Kubrick. It sounds good. So go ahead, keep saying it. Now I'm just so self conscious, and I'm gonna call him Stan. No, I legitimately like it. Has like maybe that's it. You know, I don't know. I'm just gonna call him Stan now. Stan makes the shining a work of art. Honestly, I mean. Um, uh, Kubrick's a master at creating worlds that feel like they exist beyond the limits of the film. And he takes real physical violence and ties it to real emotional violence and makes us invested in Shelley Duvall's character's welfare. And honestly, you know, when you know, like the making of the movie and stuff like that, honestly, I'm invested in her actual welfare, even though it's 40 years too late. But uh, another reason why Kubrick makes it a work of art is in the film itself. And like, I know I talked about that earlier about what makes it enjoyable is how the film is art, but I'm going to, I guess, break it down a little bit more because apparently I was rambling, (laughs) but the movie is about like two and a half hours and there's zero padding in that runtime. Like, I know we call out movies and things all the time and our own podcast sometimes for padding. (laughs) but every scene is essential to the film and there's not a second that's wasted. It's very streamlined. And then again, you can take the visuals. The thought that Kubrick put into the color palette and the framing of shots gave us some of the most unforgettable and haunting imagery. The movie is overall a work of art, and that's due to Kubrick treating it like not just a horror movie. And again, I'm putting quotes around that. 
Mm-hmm. They're not sarcastic. They're just regular quotes. <laughs> he put as much thought into this project as he would any other. And he didn't just fall back on the, the lower expectations horror films have had. You know, he, he, he had a story he wanted to tell and he wanted to make sure every bit of it was exactly the way he had it in his mind. And Stan's just a genius. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, Crane, can we get, like, a new uh, character, uh, not a uh, normal quotation mark or a single quotation mark, but a specific sarcastic quotation mark? Yeah, I would I love a... that. Yeah. I, I, just because I want to make sure that I'm understanding when there's a quotation mark. We need like a squotation mark. How about squotation mark? That sounds a lot like scrotum, so no. <laughs> okay, well. I mean, I'm for it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people like scrotums, yeah, but okay. Some people like it. It's a man's <laughs> world, Kareen. Get with it. I'm not calling them scrotum marks. I don't care. No one said they saying. were. Scrotation marks, whatever. <laughs> but now we have an R in it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so for me, what makes The Shining a work of art is quotation marks. Is no quotation marks in the piece of uh, art that it is, uh, but it's Kubrick, as you know, Crane said, obviously. Uh, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking. You're talking about art, and I'm just thinking quotation art. <laughs> Very good. All right, uh, I'm gonna try to calm down. <laughs> Go go drink some mute. ice water or something. Go take a I'm, go take a cold shower real quick. I'm, and come I'm back. just gonna I'm gonna mute myself while I laugh hysterically. So stop in a second. Yeah, get it all out. There you go. All right. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's Kubrick. Yeah, but you know it's also Nicholson. Uh, so I'll talk about Nicholson since uh, someone so rudely overlooked him. But I I just think that. He he more than almost anyone, and he does it with the Joker later to a relatively good degree, but nothing like this, has shown what it like a truly madman, crazy person would look like. Like I, I could totally, I mean, cause I've seen some crazy, you know, I, I've driven for Uber, mm. uh, Uber <laughs> Eats and I've seen some crazy homeless people, some crazy, not homeless people who ordered the food. Uh, and you know, they just, his mannerisms, just his face, everything is amazing. And what I think is really awesome is, uh, if you ever, there's there's footage of him like pumping himself up for a scene mm-hmm. and it's like it's scary it's like big in the room i would be scared of this guy like he just seems like he's going insane oh i think uh, that's just jack nicholson you know yeah. i mean maybe <laughs> i'm on a tuesday i'm on a tuesday but uh i don't know it's just i think that he with kubrick is what makes it a work of art because kubrick's good but like you have things like 2001 a space odyssey which is a work of art but it's so devoid of emotion and i guess that's sort of the point yes but yeah but then there's you know then there's a clockwork orange that also is mostly devoid of emotion except for a 
few heightened moments of ultra violence, violence, but like it's kind of it is a little repressed. Um, but this is just a gigantic burst of emotion, and it together with a guy who obsesses about which way the labels are turned on the cans of tomato in the kitchen scenes, <laughs> like huh. that combined with Jack Nicholson just like storming around a room huffing and puffing to get himself pumped up for a scene i think it's what makes it art i think it's just the two it's the it's the yin and the yang it's the animus and the anima uh it's the you know it's the two side well that's the other side of animus the, the but, peanut butter and the jelly the it's the, all the sides you know what i'm saying <laughs> It's the peace. It's the war. It's. <laughs> it's I thought it's animals just like Ah, uh, we'll research it, and I'll make a post about it. <laughs> but well, no, but really, because isn't it like Latin? Like a plural, like as an A. I don't know. Anyways, uh, that's I, I, I don't think so. But uh, I, I didn't take Latin. Uh, but. That's that's my take, uh, and that's my history lesson in Latin. Uh, what makes the shining a work of art, Dalton? It's, uh, like, it's some Jungian shit. I did not know this. Sorry, go ahead, Dalton. Ah, oh, Union psychology. I, I'm well versed in in this. Uh, I, I wrote a whole article about it. In fact, then you should have known. It has to do with like anthropomorphic archetypes of the unconscious mind, as opposed to theriomorphic and the inferior function of the shadow archetypes correct uh <laughs> it didn't sound like you were it didn't sound like you were reading for wikipedia at all <laughs> <laughs> amazing but right, yes well, so i was right but yes go on don't um i i think that it's art because it's an interpretation it's it's not just an adaptation mm-hmm. um it's it's well shot mm-hmm. well directed well liked it's got good actor good director yeah um but the essence of what makes it art uh is that uh kubrick took another work and threw his own spin on it um and while he completely changed the substance that works for his style um without Mm -hmm. interpretation we would we would never have had the grady twins in the hall the blood-filled elevator the hedge mage hedge maze chase (laughs) um all work no play makes jack a dull boy and of course here's johnny like none of that stuff was in the novel but it was featured prominently in the film uh to Mm -hmm. add credence to um nicholson's performance and the work as a whole yeah 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 that's uh that's that's a really because interpretation and adaptation are two different things yes and it it's definitely it elevates it by being an interpretation and i know king was pissed off he was uh, <laughs> and in fact there's there's one scene that kubrick put in there with a uh like a volkswagen beetle right uh he changed it from like red in the book to green <laughs> or something like That's that hilarious. where it was oh, like but- just just so nothing was left from the book, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, King hated it so bad that he and he eventually uh, produced a miniseries of The Shining, um, which I'll, I'll I think I'll talk about that a little bit later. But 
there was a mini series and it was awful, but it was yeah far more. Um, well, I say it's awful. It's 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 campier. I guess it was, very, it was corny and campy. Yeah, yeah, corny and campy. Um, which some people might like. I don't know. Some people might like that over over this. You know, it had the um, funny brother from Wings, NBC's yes. Wings. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, um, like they they had a they had a sitcom or a rom com star as the the head guy as as a jack. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. so um, yeah. yeah, he was so he's so pissed off about it that he wouldn't. He he said, oh, "Well, I'm going to go make my own adaptation with blackjack and hookers," and I was like, "Okay." Yeah, I was just about to ask y'all, did like he ever get over that? And the answer is clearly no. No, he still hasn't gotten but, over um, it. It's funny, like, would the miniseries that Stephen King produced, would it still be as bad or not, like, derived, you know, full of derision or whatever like that, if we didn't have this Kubrick film? Yeah, yeah, because it's kind of like uh, the TV movie version. Yeah. It's just, you know, it doesn't have the budget. It doesn't have... It, so it's just kind of like... It, it's a little like... Eh, have you guys ever seen... Uh, what was it? Uh, the perf- Not the perfect... Was it the perfect storm? But it was the one where... It's a Stephen King adaptation, also a miniseries, where they're like stuck in ice and they have to sacrifice a child to this vampire. It's a weird no. one. It, it also starred a star from Wings, Tim Daly. Yeah. The straight man and the other brother on wings to the uh, funny one who was in The Shining. Uh, Is but, that where all the actors from wings go? It's <laughs> they go to Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. Funny <laughs> enough, Tony Shaloub has not been in a Stephen King adaptation. Yet. As far as I know. Yeah, but yet yeah, he's like clearly the best actor. Uh, so, what was that but, one guy's name? That was Sandman. But uh, I was going to say it was similar to that where it's like, well, it was a good story, but this is really kind of uh, B-League, you know, you can tell it's minor league baseball. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church. There we go. There we go. Uh, But yeah, for, for... um, let's, let's move on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but what makes the shining, uh, what makes the shining universally relatable? Uh, Kareem? Hold on. I'm still trying to see if Thomas Hayden Church has been in anything Stephen King. Uh, sorry. I mean, for what's universally relatable to me, it's a little bit of a stretch, but kind of the most relatable thing was Jack Torrance a bit. And by that, I mean, he, it relates a lot to me because you know he's he's a troubled writer who struggles to find purpose that part i relate to this part a lot of people relate to but i don't i mean he's full of anger and frustration with his career and his family and you know i can like i said i can relate to part of that but overall like i know a lot of people are like frustrated because of you know, what's going on in the world right now, their jobs, their family, everything's pissing them off. So that's relatable. I mean, like, I struggle with my writing and with my career. And my family is okay for the most part. But I struggle to not discuss how wrong I think they are in their political opinions. But that's kind of a stretch because I really can't relate to this movie at all, which I think is actually a really good thing. 
And I know it's not all about what I can relate to. The question was universally relatable, but I really can't answer that. And I'm going to cop out on this question. So you guys need okay. to get my slack. Good deal. Uh-huh. Right. Don't go. <laughs> Pick it up. Okay. Don't don't rush me. Don't play baseball. Charge. <laughs> okay. I will. I will leave. I will go to my trailer right now. Aww. Anyway, I, I, it's because I'm so arrogant. <laughs> right. Oh my god. We'll we'll have to find, we'll, we'll have to find a place to put that story in here somewhere. But anyway, yeah, um, maybe not. But go on. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh, I would say that right now, uh, in the state that the, the the U.S. of A. is currently in, uh, we're we're all a little bit of Jack, as you said. Um, mm-hmm. We're all going through our personal shining moments right now because we're stuck in quarantine. We're watching these terrible images coming out of different places. We're watching our leaders fail us. We're seeing uh, what's been heralded as the worst year in history of the world. I mean, which is debatable, but it, it might feel that way. And people are lashing out in a lot of different ways. Um, either they're on Facebook keyboard warrioring for their causes, or they're going to the store and having meltdowns, or going out into the streets to protest, or in much more limited uh, quantities, cause violence. Um, and I'm not saying that quarantine has caused all of this, far from it, but the isolation that our nation is facing, mm-hmm. and the isolation some people feel on a daily basis um from a, a lot of different reasons. They, you can feel isolated for, um, you know, not, not just not being with a person, but feeling isolated as a minority or feeling mm-hmm. isolated mm-hmm. Um, in, your, uh, in your, your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so everyone's kind of going through that a little bit. Um, and I think that that is having an effect on psyches at large. I think that's a big part of the problem. And like, you kind of see that play out at uh, this film's kind of a microcosm for that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you definitely picked up the slack there. Dalton. Oh, you're welcome. Very well. I, I, really, well. I really do like the point that you're making as far as isolation goes. I mean, you can be surrounded by people and still feel completely isolated. Of course. You know, I, um, I, I have a I have a beautiful wife and I have two nice pets, but like you know, sometimes even with a lot of people around, you know, I can still feel lonely. And I think yeah. there are a lot of people like that. I think that's sort of a a human thing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I just I want to go off topic for a bit real quick, just because we did bring this up, and I just want to say, like, if you're out there and you're feeling like that, that is one hundred percent completely normal. But just know that you are not alone and there are people that care about you and all of us care about you. And if you ever just need to reach out and talk to someone, you can talk to any one of us. We're here for you. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, uh, I on my my messenger and my different accounts, I respond usually almost instantly because I'm constantly on my phone. So <laughs> so anything you need. Yeah, I, I, I just I, we got a little deep there. And so I just want to throw out there because I know a lot of people are feeling alone right now so fuck you jason <laughs> i'm sorry no <laughs> no i honestly i struggle with depression i mean you guys are 
honestly uh, picking up the slack for sure. But now that we've picked up the slack, <laughs> let's uh, slacken it up a bit, huh? All right. So for me, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what makes the shining universally relatable? <laughs> That's my crusty. That's my best yeah, Jason, why don't you take this one? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so I think it is Jack Torrance. Um, I think we all I think seem you, to agree with that. Yeah, I think you really hit that on. But here's the here's a little tidbit about that. Uh, so Stephen King actually was inspired to write The Shining because, and this is a weird thing, but because like his kid did something to his manuscript like a manuscript of something else and like drew on it or something. Right. And he, he kind of like had this moment where he was like flipped out and like had such rage and he was like, Oh my God, what was that? Like, why was I so murderous? (laughs) You know? Uh, but didn't act on it, obviously. Uh, but (laughs) that we know of his son's now a writer in his own right. Uh, (laughs) but it, it to him was like, it, to me, I always, I feel like you can write about any emotion or anything. Uh, and if you, as a writer, if you have a basis for the core emotion. So, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever used a magnifying glass to burn ants, for instance, then you can kind of get in the idea of a megalomaniac with a, you know, death ray. Uh, so you kind of, you know, that that's the easy comparison there. And so to me, it's basically he was taking that feeling of rage and going, what if you just actually were overcome with this feeling of rage mm-hmm. and toward your children and your family? Uh, and so that's kind of like, you know, and he was also struggling with alcohol himself. So there's kind of a whole thing there. And then there's the double entendre of spirits. Um, so. So it's actually interesting, but yeah, it's def- for King himself, Jack Tor- Torrance was the most relatable part of The Shining. Uh, but then also, I think you got Danny. I mean, you know, uh, shout out to uh, uh, adult survivors of childhood abuse. <laughs> but, but, you yeah, know. There's some more of that. There we go. <laughs> Br- bring, no, it, bring it back. No, just say, like, raise my hand. Like, I'm, you know. Yeah, same. Uh, so, like, you know, uh, that's relatable. You know, running for your life, maybe not, but to some degree, just like Stephen King extrapolating his feeling, you know. Right. It, uh, it doesn't always have to be physical. Yeah. And, I mean, haven't we all been tormented by a maniacal, exacting director like Shelley Duvall was? <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of well, yes, me in particular. <laughs> flashback to Jason uh, tried to direct a short film with his two of you. Oh, oh flashback! <laughs> Perfect. I'm All right. Well, in the interest of saving our friendship. Oh my God, I was I was pretty friendly. I so thought you were actually fine. Though, yeah, you were fine. That one day I was recording with you. But to be fair, I was sitting in the shade while the rest of y'all were doing work. So I was just pleased as punch that people showed up. <laughs> I, was I was like, mad that you gave up. my job away. So 
Oh, I don't really I remember do that, but okay. Uh, sorry about that. I also, I also I gave Dalton's job away. a hundred percent true. I was a script supervisor. I walked in to this this interview, which Jason was like, <laughs> Jason was like, oh, don't worry about it, man. Like, I've already cast you as, as like the lead yeah. guy, and this is just a formality. And I, so I didn't prepare anything. And so I walk in there, and there and like Sarah's like, so uh, what monologue do you have? And I'm like, I I don't have one. And she's just like, okay, we'll read this line, and then I read it, and. Then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just mad all day. <laughs> oh, and Jason's yeah. defense. Yeah. We did get Eduardo out of that. That's right. I do not begrudge you at all because Eduardo showed up and just blew everyone away. Eduardo, if yeah. you're listening to this, I love why are you. you listening to this? Yeah, why are you Wait. listening to this? First of all, second, of, you got better things to do. You, know? <laughs> you should be on a beat somewhere. <laughs> but uh, second of all, you're a treasure. Yes, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad uh, I'm glad Eduardo came into our lives, but I do owe you a lead role at some point down the line. What happened to uh, the time traveling that I spent all that time learning how to make a realistic looking scar? Well, the guy's house that we used died. I have a house mysteriously. No, he died drowning. Oh, it's right. horrible. It's okay. a sad, bad story. It's Come, very, can, very sad, but I'm still torn up about this it. This podcast, the podcast of this movie about depression and madness is is taking us down a dark path. Let's let's go on, shall all we? Right, all right. You know, I, I, point, I think the You're Overlook welcome. Hotel the Overlook Hotel has beckoned us. Correct. But uh, I do just want to say RIP to Chad Aaron Maples. I love you, brother. Uh, yeah, man. He, he was a good guy. I remember him. Yeah. All right. So what could The Shining have done better, Dalton? And he loved Kubrick, by the way. He loved, loved Kubrick. Let's and dedicate so, this yes. podcast yes. to Chad. 100%. Yeah, I will do that. Yeah, fucking love Chad. His birthday, or what would have been his birthday, just passed. Um tragic so yeah i will i will uh definitely dedicate this to him somewhere on the show notes so what could the shining have done better dalton okay so um you know there comes a time in all of our lives where you know we have to we have to cop out so um (laughs) my my answer is sort of cop outy it's sort of cop outy um i i just wanted the narrative to stick to the book more Mm -hmm. um i mean it's perfectly fine as it is uh, if it had a different title, um, I mean, as I said near the beginning, the entire substance of the film is changed by artistic license. King made it very clear in the novel that the Overlook was haunted, um, and it was the the spirits driving Jack mad. Uh, in the movie, it becomes less about the paranormal aspects and more about the fact that Jack begin begins as a nutcase and ends as a nutcase. Mm. Um, mm. It's psychological horror versus the intended supernatural horror. That's what I was getting at at the beginning. Um, If the film had another name and it was inspired by the novel, sort of like you were talking about The Perfect Storm, because I don't think that's the name of that one. I did Um, get a movie about that, though. I I could see it being successful by itself instead of needing to prop itself up on one of King's properties. Um, I mean, and just so I'm clear, I, I like this movie. Uh, but I would have liked to, uh, but I would like to have another movie separated from this that would be more faithful to the novel, novel 
um the navi like from <laughs> from avatar i would avatar. i would really like i <laughs> um, thought of uh, legend of zelda oh yeah there you go hey listen uh but but anyway it, Another movie that would be more faithful to the novel and not sort of campy miniseries we got in the nineteen ninety seven, right? Yeah. Um, it's going to make it harder for. Well, I don't know. Has Has Doctor Sleep already come out? The movie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's on uh, streaming now. You have to rent it, but uh, oh, okay. It's on HBO. It. It's on uh, HBO. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but I I, I was worried about it because I'm like, is it is it a sequel to the the Kubrick film or is no. it a sequel to the miniseries or did it just throw everything away and do its own thing? So actually uh, I'm glad you brought this up. Cause like Kareen said, Brian, we right? do have, yeah, Brian uh, McAleer uh, shout out Brian McAleer. Lots of shout outs this episode, but Brian McAleer uh, wrote a double feature review of the shining and Dr. Sleep that recently went up on fictionfile.com. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and apparently it's really good, but what it was based on was Stephen King himself decided to write a sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Um, and so then they they did that based off of it's a it's supposedly pretty much based off the novel, but I think there's some homages. They use the same like they recreated the set from the original The Shining. So that, like, you know, it looked certain things look like it. Oh wow! Did really? In the movie. They they oh. yeah. the the overlook. Yeah, there's even like scenes where he's like, you know, it's kind of a almost a iconic overlapping type of quality where like you get to see the Overlook Hotel forty years later. Yeah, that's pretty excellent. I like that. Yeah, since, I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out. Since yeah. real quick, while we're talking about Fiction File and Doctor Sleep, we also had. Uh, Marcos Luna did an article about Dr. Sleep, the book versus the movie back in yes. last November. So y'all should check that out too. Yep. Check that and, out. And, and you and, can find that through the newest uh, one. You have a related link in there. And yeah. since we're talking about Stephen King, I also have an article uh, about, <laughs> about eyes of the dragon, which was um, supposed to be a mini series pretty soon, but uh, oh. that got axed. Yeah, due we to, are rubber from Ken. I don't know. It might have no. been. Because I was going to say, since we're talking about Shining <laughs> and Stephen King and the Corona, I think it was Jason wrote a really great article about trapped <laughs> movies. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know who wrote a good article about the Shawshank Redemption, which was one of the trapped movies. Brian McAleer, we're back around, guys. No, wait, wait, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Let oh. me bring it home. Let me bring it home. And after you read all of that, Brian was also our guest host for a podcast about Shawshank Redemption. There so we go, baby. What could The Shining have Woo! done better? Me. I know. Yes, go, Kareem. Take it. You've earned it. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. So we just we just played uh we just played like what what's the name of that game? Seven, Seven degrees. degrees of of bacon. Six yeah, degrees yeah. of Kevin Bacon. Six six degrees of yeah. Kevin Bacon, but with Brian McAleer. Yes. Basically, okay, yeah, yeah. And you know, while we're talking about people, <laughs> shout out to Brian. It was his birthday last week. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. All right. Good job. 
We have talked less about The Shining in this podcast than anything else. I like I'm it. telling you, it's the movie. It's it's the, it's the madness. All work and no play Ooh. makes fiction volatile. Boy, <laughs> exactly. Okay, go, Craig. Go. What The Shining could have done better is I think we could have maybe seen a bit more of Jack's descent into madness. And I'm talking as far as like I didn't read the book, so. You know, I know that there was some supernatural, but like I said earlier, it wasn't overtly supernatural. I mean, just from the get-go, we get Jack Torrance. He's pretty contemptuous. He doesn't have as large of a character arc as he does in the book from the research I have done. I did research, y'all. But when he reaches the Overlook, it takes next to no time for him to start showing signs of madness. He's pretty much a vehicle to drive the audience through to the end of the movie. Which is not really the worst thing ever because technically that's what most characters are. But um, <laughs> I just think if there'd been a little bit more of the struggling alcoholic trying to figure out his next steps, that it would have improved the movie a little bit. But instead, we get pretty much just an angry guy who goes from zero to batshit crazy in less than 60 seconds. And I also wish the family had been given a little bit more of a presence. Like, yeah. Shelley Duvall's character was an incompetent damsel instead of a mother who would do anything to protect her son. Which, like I said, like I, said, I, I haven't read the book, but these are things that I, when I was looking into it, that differences that were pointed out between the book and the movie, and I think would have made it stronger having these little bits. Yeah. And then even Danny is just this creepy kid. Um, You know, it mentions his power a little bit, but it seems like he doesn't come across like he's supposed to be with his kid with power so intense that, you know, the ghosts in the overlook are trying to like get him murdered so they can basically come back to life. Yeah. And, but those are like really minor things in the long run. The movie as it stands is still a fantastic movie, but those are just the little nitpicks for me, which like usual aren't even really necessary. Like it's kind it's kind of like, I'm a little bit piggybacking off your point about how it could have been more like the book. So, you know, thanks yeah, again sure. for providing me with an answer. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> well, well, now that we've uh, talked about the entire movie, that could have been better. Uh, <laughs> I have nothing left. <laughs> but um, no, I That's actually, why you always go last. I will piggyback a little bit on that. I I think the book ending, yes, it was a it was a semi happier ending for Jack, even though he still dies. But like, you know, he redeems himself in a way. I'm not going to spoil how or what, but like, you know, it, it's kind of like it's a circle. You know, we love circles and storytelling, uh, and I think that's part of why Stephen King didn't like it because it's basically just a monster movie at this point now, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not about someone being okay and then bad and then okay again, which is kind of a beginning, middle, and end. Um, I think. I think you're dead on with Shelley uh, Duvall. Just, uh, I also want to just say, not that great of an actress from what I've seen in that movie, anyway. Well, uh, she was kind of, you know, psychologically terrified while she was acting. Well, that too. But I wonder. Okay, well, I don't want to like victim blame, but like, just it's like <laughs> maybe he pushed her because she wasn't acting good enough to begin with. He didn't push Jack Nicholson by saying she said shit about you, Jack. Like, he didn't do that, right? You know? So, well, I, I mean, don't know. He could have recast the actress instead of yeah, torturing he her. 
He could have. But I do want to bring up one thing. Dick. Dick. I love Dick. <laughs> Dick Halloran. Please, please do not make that into a, um, a sound clip. Uh, is this is this reverse psychology? Uh, okay, but uh, but uh, Dick Halloran, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. The groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. He's such a like just. <laughs> he shows up and he gets an axe in the back. Oh yeah, and, and it's like he's just such a a non. Like you have Danny, like oh Danny's got this power, you know he can the shining, and this guy has the power too, but he's an adult and he knows like all these this stuff about it, you know. But we never gets to see him really use it because he gets shows up and immediately dies. Like uh, just Dick is the head shop. Is Dick well? Well, what's the name of the guy uh, that was the groundskeeper? Oh, you're saying he was the cook, not the groundskeeper. Yeah. Oh, the reason I'm thinking that is because groundskeeper Willie played yeah, him in exactly. the Simpsons. Correct. Yeah, my bad. Okay, so yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because if he was the groundskeeper, he would have been the one doing Jack Nicholson's job. Uh, okay, so yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Dick. I have to apologize to Dick. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just giving you guys fodder. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that him and also there is kind of an element of that Kubrick kind of dropped the ball in making it all about the tension and his vision and everything instead of focusing on the story of Jack Torrance and that kind of arc that he goes through. So. You know, I think you guys all touched on that point, but uh, let's move on to final thoughts about The Shining. Uh, so, I want to start this one off. I just want to say, all the conspiracy stuff is stupid. Uh, it's really stupid. Uh, it's there's that documentary, Room Two Thirty Seven. If you ever want to know what crazy people and my relatives sound like watch <laughs> room 237 it's basically just people going well you know the native americans they were killed in a in a massacre and there were native americans on that land that the overlook hotel sat on and you can see the blood coming out of the elevator. What is the blood? Whose blood is it? It's the blood of the Native Americans. And that's from Stanley Kubrick making a point about the government's colonization, including their attempted colonization of the moon, which he was involved in hoaxing by putting people on a soundstage and recording the moon landing. Like, that's basically what uh, that documentary is. Uh, I, guess and I, don't, I guess we don't need to watch it now. I've there's a, actually been forced to watch it. Not not by Jason. Yes, like I, I wouldn't force it. Who your head? Uh, Jay. It's, oh, okay. It's uh, one of these. Out. It's one of these things that actually won like awards and stuff because it's really interesting to hear how far people can take their analysis of a movie as we analyze the movie. Uh, <laughs> so. 
it, it's it's kind of like how crazy can you go trying to figure out what a crazy person did about a movie with a guy going crazy? So it's like okay, it's kind of interesting, uh, but exception in the realistic <laughs> world, I just want to say the movie has inspired a lot of conspiracy theories and made Kubrick some kind of god that like was trying to communicate Jesus. all these subliminal things. And he, come on, guys, it's just a, it's a movie. It's a really good movie, and he's he was a good director. Uh, so that's my final thoughts about The Shining. I, I do love The Shining, but it's not that. It's not all that. I, uh, I'm not I'm not a Kubrick expert because I can't pronounce his name, and I refuse to learn. But um, wouldn't he have just come out and said all this stuff? Like no. if that's what he meant. No, nah, he was a weird guy. <laughs> I mean, but in no, short, he, he was a weird to make guy. A point so strongly about you know how wrong the native americans were treated in this country and uh, i wouldn't think that's something you'd want to hide nah i mean you know i I agree you would think that a normal sane person but you know that's not stanley kubrick from what i've heard uh you know he did he did 2001 a space odyssey and that thing is full of little sub subtle talks about this and that and arthur c clark was involved in that and is you know kind of uh uh, validated some of the theories about things. So, okay. Uh, but take it away, Crane. What do you th- What do you have to say about The Shining? As your final thoughts? Well, despite all the apparently crazy uh, conspiracies that are woven into the narrative of the film, uh, the film itself is a masterpiece. Uh, it's beautiful and it's very thoughtfully shot. The attention to detail is mind blowing. Like you mentioned, one of y'all mentioned earlier about the tomato cans, things like, you know, having yeah, to have labels yeah, yeah. based, you know, it's just that yeah. kind of attention to detail. Yeah, but yeah. the story yeah, is absolutely. genuinely chilling without being your usual, you guys like are interchangeable sometimes. <laughs> huh? <laughs> we're like, we're like the number 10 when we stand next to each other. I don't know how we're <laughs> easily confused. <laughs> <laughs> You're both guys. No, but anyways. <laughs> okay. Um, we've gotten derailed a lot on this podcast. I hope I can be forgiven for not remembering who said what. Go on. And if not, to hell with you. But anyways, the story of The Shining is genuinely chilling without being your usual jump scare slasher flick. But I've already gone over all that. Like, I think I pretty much, like, expressed everything I could say about the final thoughts to wrap this movie up. So I'm just going to use Steven Spielberg's actual final thoughts here since he's a major fan of The Shining and Stanley Kubrick. And this is a quote, regular quote marks. I have seen The Shining 25 times. It's one of my favorite pictures. Kubrick films tend to grow on you. You have to see them more than once. I defy you to name one Kubrick film that you can turn off once you start it. It's impossible. 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> sorry you need to talk to steven spielberg then not me i'm gonna say i didn't turn it off but do you know the number of people i've seen hey, hey have you seen 2001 a space odyssey not all of it let me guess you stopped when he started tripping out and was going through hyperspace but it was actually like a acid trip too yeah yeah i, I couldn't take the 10 minutes of lights i was like yeah, yeah okay so yeah, yeah a lot of people haven't finished that come on steven Stephen Stanley, Stephen Stanley. Okay, Dalton, go ahead with your final thoughts. Okay then. Um, 
The Jason was hauled is- away and thrown into the insane asylum later that day. He chased Dalton around with an axe. Right, go on, Dalton. <laughs> the Shining uh, is one of the most celebrated pieces of psychological horror to date and stands as one of the greatest horror films of all time, despite its debut being almost 40 years ago. Uh, there's a reason people love this film. It established expectations with a fantastic trailer. Um, then it slowly builds a sense of dread and then releases it. And then there's this undulating pattern of tension and release that worms its way into your head as you watch and forces you to confront the fact that you, like Jack, are actually kind of enjoying watching this family shriek in terror. You kind of like the haunting images of blood, decay, and violence. You kind of enjoy being a part of this horrible spectacle. And you don't even know it until the credits roll. You take a break, and then you go and you start to think about watching it over again. Why would you do that? Well, maybe you're just a little mad too. Hmm. Very good. Thank you for taking it home, Dalton. I edit some kind of eerie music. I okay. I can try because uh, I edit this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, but thank you, Dalton, for ending uh, with intelligence. We should just always have you go last. Uh, I always feel nervous when it's me. Uh, I'll, I'll, but, make, I'll make sure and put you last more often then. Uh, so thank you, guys. Uh, next is where can I find the streaming cream? Well, I wasn't able to find The Shining as part of a streaming mm-hmm. subscription service. So, like, if any of you guys know of one that I've missed, because, you know, I check no. the major ones. I, I couldn't mean, find one audience. either. It's not all about you, Jason. No, I'm just... <laughs> my research. <laughs> <laughs> my research. My research. No, you're right. right. Maybe someone else. knows of some place that is streaming... Hey kids! Shout out in the comments you have a, so everyone can go. Do you have a bootleg it tape of The Shining I can borrow? Rent or own digitally through your favorite online video store like Vudu, Google Play, or iTunes, or you can stop by FictionFile.com and click on our Amazon affiliate link and buy it through Amazon.com. It doesn't cost you any extra, but it gives us a little kickback, which we can use to buy some more typewriter paper. Because Jason's been typing a lot of weird things lately. And there's papers all around the audio, around the office that are a little creepy. Yeah. It's uh, all podcast and no soundboard make Jason an unhappy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But yes, please give us typewriter money and booze money. I mean, you know, speaking of the show. I don't. But, uh, I have a, I have a garage, the garage fridge is freezers full of booze right now. So oh, never mind. All right, uh, very nice. Uh, so let's let's talk about where people can find us. Uh, where where can they find us if they want to be friends with us? Just like uh, Stanley and Shelley went on to be the best of friends. If I wanted <laughs> to follow, if I wanted to follow you, Corrine, uh, where would I find you? You can come find me on Instagram at nonlineargirl, or you can find me on Twitter at nonlineargirl with a zero. And I just want to reiterate, everyone's more than welcome to send me a message. Come by, say hi, you know. 
we might be best friends. I can yeah. replace Jason. I mean, Dalton, where can we find you on social media? <laughs> well, well, uh, I thought you were still talking. I'm sorry. Dalton, go. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at sword underscore gaijin. Um, that's like my my big uh, like cosplay posting spot. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at the Sword Gaijin Cosplay. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Dalton and Drake One. That's You're the number one, not the not the. It's also the letter or, N, not and. Yes, numero, numero. Yes, it's a uh, Dalton Norris Drake, like Chuck Norris, because he kicks ass. Uh, oh, I thought it would be Nolan. I'm sure it's something else. Like Nolan uh, Norris. <laughs> yeah, That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really something, something else. Uh, and I don't know. Let's let's see what everybody thinks it is in the in the comments. Ooh. I guess. Nice. All right. I'm just every episode. I'm going to guess it's a different one. Uh, so, so thank you guys. You can find me Sage Hazard with two Z's on Instagram and the fiction file on Twitter. Uh, not to be confused with the official fiction file Twitter, which is fiction file mag is in magazine. Cause we are a online magazine. Uh, so thank you guys. Thank you, Kareem. Thank you, Dalton. Uh, excellent mm-hmm. fun time good times uh so that's that's it for this installment of the fiction Yay! file podcast i want to invite you the listener to fictionfile.com for more scintillating analysis like you heard today and don't forget to rate us if you like today's episode and why don't you subscribe to make sure you don't miss the next episode until then i want to thank you for spending a little story time with us today and for dalton drake and Kareen Asbell, this is Jason Boyd and the Fiction File family wishing you a happily ever after. <laughs>